Katie Books Productions presents Lenny Gray, an audio drama written, produced, and narrated by Earl Sewell. Previously on Lenny Gray. I said nothing to Curly or Tom, but had we kept going until we got up north, we would still had a cause. We could have slept in them until we found a place to live. I would have done that, and I would have made that work. I would be scared to do driving like that, Tangie Mae admitted. I'm scared all the time now, Tangie Mae. Being scared ain't nothing new to me. Lenny Gray sighed as she touched her hair. Well, ain't nothing you can do about that now. You just gotta dig your heels in and carry your part of the load and take a little time for yourself every now and again, Tangie Mae said as she began to hum a spiritual tune. You know something, Tangie Mae? You seem like you done matured a little bit since you left Alabama. You think so? She smiled. Her teeth were yellow and her gums were red with inflammation, but she displayed them proudly. You sound like you have. Probably because I'm holding Mary. Maybe some of her smarts done already rubbed off on me just that quick. I wish I could do more for her, Tangie. I really wish I could. I know that life ain't gonna treat her good. And it ain't going to treat none of us any good, really, when I think about it. I keep asking God, the moon, the stars, and everything I could think of why it's got to be this way. But I ain't got no answer yet. Lenny Gray awoke early Sunday morning and checked on Mary, who she had nestled close to her bosom. She repositioned herself so that she could take a good look at her. She glanced at Mary's hands, which were curled up into tiny fists, like balls of dough. Lenny Gray checked to see if she needed changing and was thankful that her diaper was dry. Quietly, she got up off the floor, making sure to place several pillows between Mary and Curly so that he wouldn't inadvertently turn and roll over onto her. She walked over to the wood-burning stove that had been purchased. Although she appreciated the stove, she longed to have a bed. Curly promised her that he would get one soon, so that they would no longer have to sleep on the floor. Lenny Gray removed the circular iron plate and then grabbed some kindling from a nearby tub and placed a log inside the stove along with a piece of cloth. She removed a matchstick from a matchbox and placed it near the cloth until it caught fire. Once the kindling began popping, she knew that she had a good fire going. 
She then placed a circular iron plate back into position. She was appreciative that Curly had pumped a bucket of water the night before and left it situated near the wall. Lenny Gray filled one of her teapots with the water and sat it on the stove. She then positioned the washtub near the center of the floor and waited for the teapot to whistle. Once it had, she poured the hot water into the tin tub and repeated the process until she had enough to bathe in. Once her bath water was ready, she stepped into the round tub and squatted. She closed her eyes and enjoyed the sensation of the hot water soothing her aching body. You getting better at sneaking away from me. Curly's gravelly voice interrupted her brief moment of tranquility. She resented the intrusion of her personal moment. Between taking care of Mary, working in the fields, and dealing with Curly, tranquil moments were rare. I ain't sneaking, Curly. I'm just trying to enjoy some quiet time, said Lenny Gray. She closed her eyes and hoped that he would take the hint and leave her alone for a few minutes. Hey, Lenny, ain't nobody awake in here but us. Even with her eyes closed and her back turned to him, she could hear the request for intimacy in his voice. Maybe you should go back to sleep. Lenny Gray continued to bathe herself. But for a man like Curly, whom life had given only one true pleasure, the warm and succulent space between Lenny Gray's legs, going back to bed to their makeshift pallet alone was something he wouldn't consider. You know I can't go to sleep unless you next to me. The bed gets cold when you ain't there. He was whiny, like a child preparing to have a hissy fit. You know how I like to hold you close to me and do my special business. Lenny Gray ladled water on her arms by cupping her hands and said, Curly, as you can see, I'm taking my Sunday bath and would like some private time. Don't make no kind of sense for you to get yourself all worked up. Huh, I guess I can let you do that. At this point, you couldn't run off if you wanted to. You got married to think about now. Curly said, doing a poor job of masking his insecurity and fear of her leaving him. It would be too hard for you to run off with a baby in your arms. You stuck here with me for good now. Well, if you know I ain't going nowhere, why are you over here talking about it? Lenny Gray was irritated by Curly's comment of being stuck with him for good. It was something about the way he said it, and that didn't sit well with her. It was as if he planned it, like he wanted to sabotage her life or any hope of her ever having a better one without him. My nature then bought me over here. I got needs, Lenny. Curly, I got needs too, and so does the baby. I'm tired of sleeping on a cold flow, and the baby needs clothes. Now, if you can get money to buy cloth and thread, I can make some clothes for her. Sleeping on a drafted flow is going to make us all sick. Lenny, I'm walking on that. Curly, you need to do it faster. Lenny Gray paused. Look, I ain't ready to start up relations again yet. Well, hell, I am. Curly's voice 
had a sharp and unforgiving edge to it. Looking down at your naked body in the water is making me even more ready. Lenny Gray was his prized possession, and a voice in his mind kept whispering that he needed to make sure she would never have feelings for another man. As he looked down at her bathing, something new came into his mind. It was a vision of Lenny Gray sleeping with another man. It was a vision of her telling him that the other man could do more for her and that she was running away with him. Curly's blood began to boil and his temper reared its ugliness. You don't want to have relations with me because while I've been out in the fields, you've been talking to some other man. Curly knuckled up his fists. Curly, that don't make no kind of sense. I'ma come be talking to another man when I'm out in the field with you all day. You ain't with me all the time when I take a break. Yeah, that's when you let them fools say something to you. What? Curly, why are you being so simple? I ain't got no kind of control over what people say or do. Oh, oh, now I'm simple. I ain't good enough for you. I told you the next time you got out of line with that mouth of yours, I was going to put you in your place. Before Lenny Gray could step out of the tub and talk to Curly, she felt something smash against her skull that knocked her out of the tub and onto the floor. She heard a loud ringing in her ear, and her vision became blurry. When I say I want some loving, you had better get to me without all that goddamn back talking. Lenny Gray noticed that Curly was standing over her. He pulled off his breeches, crouched down, and pressed open her legs. Lenny Gray hit him a few times, but it was of no use. Curly grabbed her wrists and held her down and forcibly thrust himself inside of her. Lenny Gray began to scream and cry, but the sound of her agony did not discourage Curly. His scent, which was a mixture of body odor and bad breath, caused her stomach to flip several times. Lenny Gray lay still and without emotion as she surrendered her body to him without her mind or heart. His stubbly cheek prickled the flesh around her neck and chin. You listen to me good. This here's mine. Don't you ever forget it, said Curly counting in her mind one two three four she kept counting and waiting for him to finish finally he released his essence and buckled under the ecstasy of his own satisfaction when he was done he rolled off of her stood up, pulled up his britches, and walked out of their shanty. Lenny Gray felt filthy and traumatized. She blamed herself for what happened. I have to watch, 
what I say around him, she reminded herself. She curled up into the fetal position, cradling her arms around her knees, and comforted herself as best as she could. Hours later, after Lenny Gray had taken another bath and put on the best dress that she owned, Curly returned. He stood in the doorway with his head bowed between his shoulders and fidgeting around with his fingers as if words would magically appear in his hands. Lenny Gray continued about her business. She was getting Mary ready for church. Uh, I'm so sorry, Lenny. Curly was crying. Lenny Gray looked over at him. He was a pathetic sight. His chest was heaving in and out, and liquid from his nose, eyes, and mouth drooled onto the floor. I, I, I didn't mean it like that, Lenny. I promise I, I'll never do that to you again. Refusing to acknowledge his apology, she said, I'm getting ready for church. It's best that you come, too. <laughs> church? I ain't going to no church. There was absolution in Curler's response, and the tears and sadness that were on display just moments ago completely disappeared. It was as if church was the last place he'd ever go, no matter how much his soul needed it. Why not? Lenny Gray tried not to allow her anger to hitch a ride on her words. My daddy didn't go to church, so I don't see a need for me to go. Curly answered childishly. Then he walked over and sat in a chair that was situated in a corner on the opposite side of the room. Lenny Gray watched his movements disapprovingly. He had attacked her, and now that she was trying to help him find salvation, he viewed her attempt as an insult. Curly, you got to go. It's for you and the baby. It ain't gonna hurt you none to come to church just for a little while. A little while is too goddamn long. I don't ask for much, Curly. I pretty much let you mix pleasures any time you want to, even when I don't feel like it. I do it for you, Curly, but you won't go to church for me and the baby? I ain't asking you to come every Sunday, but this Sunday, you need to be there for the baby's baptism. Curly glanced over at Mary who was still positioned on the floor, waiting to be wrapped up. His heart softened before reluctantly agreeing 
out of guilt. Fine, I'll go. But as soon as we're done, we're going to leave. I don't want to be standing around talking to people, especially no church folks who don't know nothing about praising the Lord. Curly leaned his back against the wall and folded his arms. Lenny Gray was surprised by how quickly he gave in, but she kept that thought to herself. Good. I'm done with the bathwater. You need to take one and come to church. We'll wait outside on the front porch for you, Lenny Gray said. Before leaving, Lenny Gray placed a scarf around her head and tied it beneath her chin. It was an effort to cover up a bruised and slightly swollen cheek from Curly's punch. Together, they walked alongside an unpaved road past the cotton fields. From time to time, Curly glanced out at the vastness and tried to imagine himself as the owner of so much land. He tried to imagine what he would look like as a boss man. His vision, however, could not seem to break free from the image of his true place in life, bent over with a cotton field sack slung over his shoulder. His imagination refused to accept any vision of himself that was too radical. He thought about something his grandmother told him. She said to him the best he could ever hope for in life was to toil in the fields, make babies, get old, and die. Curly felt a tightening coil of anxiety spiral in his mind and wanted the tension in his head to go away. Then he thought about the perfect remedy that would ease the strain of his thought and the unexplainable emotional pain in his heart. He needed a drink. The moment he thought about it, his mouth, which was dry, began to moisten. This fella named Bunchy, I met out in the field, say he wanted to buy some moonshine from me after I let him have a little taste of what I was carrying on me. Curly shifted his focus to Lenny Gray. He unconsciously sought her approval and acknowledgement that he was a good provider and knew how to make money, but his pride was too fragile to ask the question directly. If she said that he wasn't or wanted him to do more than what he could, it would hurt him, and the pain would balloon in his chest and move through him with the unyielding intensity of hurricane-force winds. How much is he talking about getting from you? Lenny Gray's response was a conditioned one. She no longer approved of his selling moonshine or drinking it because of the way it changed his personality from tolerable to flat-out evil. He didn't say. Adjusting Mary in her arms, Lenny Gray asked, How much have you got left? Enough to sell him some of it and keep a little bit for myself, Curly answered. Is you planning on making more, or are you going to stop doing that? Eventually, Curly muttered as he kicked the stone out of his path. The thirst for a drink was becoming unbearable the closer they got to the church. A short time later, Lenny Gray and Curly arrived at a small church that all of the black people working on the plantations in Tallahatchie County attended. As Curly was about to set foot in the church, a man approached. The man had caramel-shaded skin, which had a red undertone. 
His hair was black and woolly, and his eyes were gray. Hey there, Curly. You got any more of that good moonshine that you let me taste out there in the field? Is you ready to buy some? I ain't giving out no more free taste. Curly spoke too loudly, almost to the level of shouting. Something about being near the church made his skin turn hot. Curly, who is this? Lenny Gray whispered, hoping that he'd get the hint to lower his voice. Folks around here call me Bunchy, he said, smiling at Lenny Gray. I'm sort of new around these here parts. Lenny Gray immediately noticed an oddness about Bunchy. His eyes were cross, and his head kept wobbling on his neck as if it were loose and were about to break off and bounce away. Hey, sure would be nice to settle down with a woman so I can share what I got with her, said Bunchy, holding on to Lenny Gray's gaze too long for Curly's liking. Almost instantly, Curly reached a level of irritation that exposed his stammer whenever swelling emotions held his words hostage. Uh, don't, 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 don't look at her like that. There was fire in his throat. And stop telling lies about you having a bunch of things you ain't got. You ain't doing no better than the rest of us. Well, ain't no need to get all swollen up, Curly. You ain't tell me your wife is such a good looker with pretty straight hair. Even with her face swollen, I can tell that when she lets her hair down, she can make a blind man see. I was just wondering if she's got a sister, that's all. Bunchy looked at Lenny Gray a little longer before shifting his attention back to Curly. Lenny Gray felt self-conscious and adjusted the scarf to better hide her wounds. Shooing Lenny Gray away, Curly said, uh, go, go, go in there in the church and have a seat, Lenny. I, I, I'll be in there in a minute. I gotta take care of Bunchy. Bunchy? Lenny Gray spoke delicately before she continued on her way. Ma'am? Bunchy said with a smile. You know how to keep her in line real good, don't you, Curly? I bet you when you beat her, she don't even put up a fight or nothing, do she? Lenny Gray heard Bunchy ask as the two men began to move away from the church. Get on in there, Lenny. I ain't gonna tell you again. Curly's mood hardened. He was posturing as a display of power. He also wanted Bunchy to see how much control he had over her. Lenny Gray went inside the church and took a seat. As she waited, the church began to fill up. She looked around for Tangy Mae but did not see her. Lenny Gray noticed a man standing in front of the pulpit. He was a short man with large eyes and a drum-shaped face. The man began to sing a familiar spiritual song. I've had my chance I've had my chance I've had my chance I've had my chance If my Lord should call me home I've had my chance The man's voice stirred Lenny Gray's emotions and before long she began rocking slightly from left to right in her seat. It was as if those simple words reached deep inside of her and tried to bring healing and comfort to her wounded soul. Do you mind if I sit next to you? A man came up to Lenny and pointed to the spot next to her. No, 
Not at all, Lenny Gray whispered without giving her answer a second thought. When the man sat, Lenny Gray inhaled his scent. It wasn't that a fresh soap or a foul stench from working in the fields. It was sweeter and beckoned her to lean into him and take a deep sniff of his scent, which went directly to her brain and saturated her memory. He has a very nice voice, whispered the man, adjusting his position until he was comfortable. Lenny Gray turned her attention to him and couldn't help but notice the man didn't smell like Curly, which was a mixture of sweat, alcohol, and tobacco along with body odor. The man had on a suit and tie and had on dress shoes instead of field boots. Yeah, he does have a good voice, said Lenny Gray, speaking sweetly and agreeing and wanting to sound wise around this man who smelled delicious enough to eat. Lenny Gray didn't understand why she was thinking the thoughts she was. This stranger had not been around her a good minute, and she found herself wanting to snuggle up to him and sniff him all night. That's a pretty baby girl you got in your arms. What's her name? Mary? Lenny Gray whispered. She didn't want to be rude by speaking in church, but she wanted to know more about the stranger. He was a brown man and a little shorter than Curly. She noticed his fingernails were clean and they were not jagged. Like Mary in the Bible. The Lord has blessed you with a precious child. I'm still waiting on the Lord to bless me with one. I keep praying for a God-fearing woman to come into my life so that I can start a family. The man leaned into Lenny as he spoke. She couldn't help herself. She inhaled his scent even more. You from around here? Lenny Gray asked, surrendering to her curiosity. I'm Duke. He extended his hand. Lenny Gray shifted Mary in her arms and shook it. Lenny Gray. Well now, that's a really pretty name. When Duke smiled, Lenny Gray noticed he still had all of his teeth, every single one of them, and his breath didn't smell foul. When he opened his mouth, the scent of peppermint wafted out from between his lips. For the first time in her life, Lenny Gray felt herself come alive and the valley between her thighs began getting warm. Then, for reasons she couldn't fully understand, she removed her scarf that her hair was wrapped up in and allowed it to billow down and rest on her shoulders. Duke noticed. Thank you for calling my name pretty. Lenny Gray whispered. You didn't answer my question. You from around here? Marveling at Lenny Gray's hair, Duke said, I used to be. I grew up here for a time when I was a little boy. But I moved up north. I live in Harlem. I'm down here visiting my grandmother, trying to get her to come back with me. For real? You live up north? In Harlem? What's Harlem? I mean, where is that? I mean, do everybody dress like you up there? Duke now had Lenny Gray's complete attention, 
she completely tuned out the man singing his spiritual song, forgot about Mary being baptized, and focused on Duke and his every word. Hope and information had just sat next to her, and she wanted to take it all in. Leaning closer so that he could whisper in her ear and perhaps touch her hair, Duke said, Most folks dress pretty nice, I suppose. You get treated better up north, that's for sure. I'm a musician. I play jazz and gospel. I play the piano, organ, saxophone, and drums. I make more money there in two months than my grandmother makes all year sharecropping. Kids up north go to school as well. They don't have to stop going in order to pick cotton. When I have some children of my own, they're going to go to school up north. They got some really smart young ones up there in Harlem. Really? Is it easy for people to get jobs? Lenny Gray was eager to hear more. You can get work, but you have to know people who could put in a good word for you. I told my sister, who lives with my grandmother, that she and her kids can stay with me until she gets on her feet. I ain't got much room, but it's better than what they've got down here. Some leaky shanty in the middle of nowhere, full of biting bugs and mice. I got indoor plumbing too, and I don't have to use a night bucket or an outhouse. Tell me more about this Harlem place. Lenny Gray was so engaged that she didn't consider how talking in church was rude. She wanted to know as much information about the city and living up there as possible so that she could tell Curly. She would try to convince him to move north and start over. Surely he'd want to make more money than what he was, and surely he would like to have indoor plumbing and wear a fancy suit and smell as good as Duke. Like I said, I'm a musician. I know a lot of up-and-coming guys, even know this white guy named Orny Madden. He says that he has a dream of opening up a place for white folks who like listening to black folks play jazz. I told him that if he ever does it, he should name the place The Cotton Club. He seemed to like the idea. Duke reached out and touched her hair, and she didn't stop him. Do you talk to white people about stuff like that up north? Yeah, it's different up north. I mean, there are problems. But for the most part, you can find quality white folks who don't treat you too bad. I want to go. The words fell out of Lenny Gray's mouth before she had a chance to catch them. Well, Harlem is growing and got folks from all over the South arriving there all the time. Folks making so much more money, and they don't have to worry about breaking their backs and sweating in the field. Plenty of black folks up there know how to read and write. In fact, I got a side job making deliveries for a publication called The Crisis. There's plenty of information in there about what's going on. I can send you a copy if you like. You can read it, or you can have someone help you with the words. Do you know how to read? Lenny Gray asked, more and more impressed with Duke. 
Yeah, I write song lyrics and stories. What's that? Asked Lenny Gray. What, stories? Well, let me put it to you like this. It's a way of saying things that helps people to understand all types of situations better. It helps people to think. I'm still learning, though. I have some people I know who are helping me get better at it. Oh, yeah? What are their names? Lenny Gray asked. Well, they are people you may not know or have heard of around these parts. I don't care. Tell me their names. Lenny Gray was completely caught up in the spell Duke had cast over her. She liked the way he talked, all clear and smooth. She liked the fact that he didn't get angry and shout at her because she was asking questions. The thought, I could get used to listening to him, filled her mind. Touching her hair once again, he said, Well, there's Zora Neale Hurston. Oh, she's real good with words. Why, she can hit a straight lick with a crooked stick when it comes to writing words down. Lenny Gray giggled. Then there's this fella named Du Bois, and he... Come on, Lenny, we is leaving! Curly tugged on Lenny Gray's arm, and it startled her. She felt as if she'd been snatched out of a conversation with an angel. Angrily, she jerked her hand away and said, We stand, Curly. Lenny, we is leaving right now. Curly raised his voice at her. The stench of moonshine assaulted the sweet air around her and made her eyes tear up. The man singing the sorrow song stopped and the church people of Tallahatchie County turned and looked in their directions. You can't make the lady go if she don't want to go. Duke rose to his feet to challenge Curly's authority over Lenny Gray. Curly grabbed a hold of Lenny Gray again. Looking at Duke directly in his eyes, Curly stammered and said, This, this, this here lady is, is my wife and this is my daughter. I know you ain't the type of fella that come between a man and his wife. Curly, why are you in the Lord's house acting like a fool? Lenny Gray shifted to make room for him to sit opposite her. Because it's time for us to leave, Lenny. Unholy folks all up in here. Curly clamped his hand down around her forearm and yanked her to her feet. She almost dropped the baby. Stop, you're going to make me drop Mary. Lenny Gray voiced loudly as she tried to break free. God damn it, woman, I said come on. Curly raised his hand and slapped her. He hit her so swiftly that for a moment, Lenny Gray wasn't sure he'd actually done it but the high-pitched ringing sound in her ear confirmed that he had. Lenny Gray was more humiliated by his action than the pain of the hit. Lenny Gray heard women gasp and could feel the eyes of everyone in the church looking at her. Mary stirred and began crying. Lenny Gray looked down at Mary and wanted to cry too, but not in front of everyone. Unwilling to look into their eyes, and face the shame of what had just taken place, Lenny Gray moved hurriedly out of the church and back towards home. Curly slowly backed out of the church, looking at Duke and then the rest of the congregation. His ego came through and placed a smirk on his face. He felt as if he'd let everyone know how powerful he was.
in the house of the Lord. Curly had just beat his wife and no one did anything. His jealousy and evilness made him feel strong and untouchable. It made him feel more powerful than God at that moment. By the time Curly caught up with Lenny Gray, she was entering their shanty. Why did you hit me? Lenny Gray was angry and disgraced as she walked inside. I can't leave you for five minutes without you talking to some fool who's trying to take you away from me. Curly's voice exploded with fire and rage. The burning scent of moonshine permeated the air around them. Curly, the man was only telling me about what it was like living up north in Harlem, Lenny Gray said, making sure that Mary was comfortable and didn't need anything before she and Curly had it out. Lenny, is that the type of man you got eyes for? Somebody trying to act like he the boss man? I, I, I told you, Lenny, you belong to me, and if I can't have you, nobody will. I ain't going to no goddamn city, Lenny. Curly moved towards her, jaws tight and fists clenched. This is Earl Sewell, author, creator, and narrator of the podcast called Lenny Gray. I wanted to take a moment to come back and give you an update on the number of countries or people in countries around the world who are tuning into this podcast. I wanted to take a moment to thank each of you individually by calling out your country name. And here they are in no particular order the U.S., Canada, Panama, Colombia, South America, Argentina, South America, Brazil, South America, Iceland, Spain, France, England, the Netherlands, Morocco, Italy, Greece, Hungary, Turkey, Iran, Russia, Bulgaria, Pakistan, the United Arab Emirates, Kenya, Zambia, South Africa, Nigeria, India, Thailand, Indonesia, the Philippines, Australia, New Zealand, Laos, Japan, and Sweden. Thank you all for tuning into the show. I hope that you're enjoying it. Also, you can help support the show by spreading the word about it. Please feel free to share this podcast with friends. Also, make sure to leave a rating and review wherever you listen to podcasts. Until next time, from my mouth to your ears, happy listening. All the best, Earl Sewell.